Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be reading Four Crafts, or the Four Crafts of the Devil's Kingdom. We'll be talking about lawyer craft. We'll be starting on page 106. Even though, eventually, there are some final, or some fine lawyers Their profession still has had a bad reputation throughout history. Even Shakespeare, who had such clear insight into so many issues and people, said, quote, The first thing we do, let's kill all the lawyers. King Henry IV, Act 3, Part 2, Line 86. Many others have had sympathetic feelings. In the early days of this country, people thought it best to send their lawyers to Congress as their representatives. This sounded reasonable because of their extensive learning and understanding of the law. However, this was possibly a big mistake, as Thomas Jefferson explained. Quote, If the present Congress errs in talking too much, how can it be otherwise in a body to which the people send 150 lawyers whose trade is to question everything, yield nothing, and talk by the hour? That 150 lawyers should do business together ought ought not to be expected. And quote, From the Wisdom of Thomas Jefferson, page 49. Lawyers have been the victims of ridicule, criticism, and countless jokes for centuries. Very few critics have been as consistently vocal as Brigham Young. This section contains mostly his remarks unless stated otherwise. When a lawyer comes... This is from Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, from Brigham Young. When a lawyer comes into the church, if he happens to have a little common sense left and will take a a plow and and cultivate the soil, there is a chance for him to make a man of himself. But if he follows his former customs and habits, the chances are against him. He may ruin himself, lose the spirit of the Lord, if he ever possessed it, and go back into midnight darkness. Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 125, page 107, from Brigham Young again. All that they, speaking of lawyers, are have or do ought to be subject to the priesthood of the Son of God unless they can feel thus 
they had better go into the fields and canyons to work, to suffer themselves to be poor and to keep the Holy Spirit with them. Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 283. In Journal of Discourses, 11, page 18, Brigham Young said, There are brethren who have studied law, and there is... And where is there a man in our midst now that is worthy of anything by studying law? End quote, Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 18. The next quote by Brigham Young. I will preach a short discourse now to minors, merchants, lawyers, doctors, priests, people, everybody. I want to talk to you a little and give you some counsel. I want the saints to take this counsel, but they take it all the time, and I expect they will continue to do so. This counsel is with regard to lying with one another. I want to say to you minors, do not go to law at all. It does you no good. It only wastes your substance. It causes idleness, waste, wickedness, vice, and immorality. Do not go to law. As for lawyers, if they will put their brains to work and learn how to raise a potato, wheat, cattle, build factories, and be merchants or tradesmen, it will be a great deal better for them than trying to take the property of others from them through litigation. Journal of Discourses, Volume 14, page 82. (coughs) So I'm trying to work through this one being sick, but uh, I think it's interesting that the church is run by lawyers now, like the the church historian right now is a lawyer, he's not a historian, Uh, the church is his client, and as a lawyer he has the obligation to protect the church from its history. <laughs> it's just, you know, Brigham Young would have kicked all of these guys out. Um, but that's, you know, how much the church has changed in the last hundred years or a hundred and forty something years since Brigham Young died. 145 years, actually, because he uh, he died in August of 1877, and I was born in uh, June of 18. I'm sorry, June of 1977. So it's been 145 years. <coughs> Continuing on with these quotes. However good and useful a classical education may be in the possession of a good and wise man, yet it is not essentially necessary for him to have to tell the simple truth which is given to mankind by revelations of God, because it can be told by the simple and unlearned. But if the profession of lawyer is chosen by any person, he needs to be educated in all the learning of the age to be successful. For it is hard, a hard thing for him to make a man appear innocent before a journey, before a jury of his countrymen, 
whom he knows to be guilty. It is a hard matter to make a jury of men endowed, but with great learning perhaps, but with hard sense believe that white is black and black is white, as the case may be, to present the truth in such a way that they will believe it as a lie, and a lie in such a way that they will believe it as the truth. We're on page 108 if you're reading along with us. It requires a lawyer, a man who is well-schooled in all that men know, to make things appear what they really are not. Journal of Discourses, volume 11, page 215. Continuing on with Brigham Young's quotes. Now a few words to make my friends here, my colleagues, the lawyers, and others. I gave a little counsel here. I think it is years ago, this last 6th of April, for the people of this territory and through these mountains not to go to law, but to arbitrate their cases. I will ask if they do not think they would have if they would save a good deal of money in their pockets if they had already taken this counsel. And to see our our streets lined with lawyers as as they are, why they are as thick as grog's hops used to be in California. I don't know what a grog's hop is, but what is the business of a lawyer? It It is the case with too many to keep what they have got and gather around them wealth and heap it up, but to do as little possible for it, to give a, a little counsel here and a little counsel there, what for? To keep their victims in bondage. Say they, let us stick him up as long as he has got a dollar in his pocket. Now, brethren and sisters and friends, I have said a few words about lawyers but I could pick up other classes of men just as bad. Journal of Discourses, volume 15, page 19 and 20. Continuing on, Brother George A., that's George Albert Smith, this afternoon is referred to the lawyers. Where the carcass is, there will will the eagles be gathered together, and that's a... He's referencing Matthew chapter 24, and I'll talk about that in a minute. And it seems they think there is is none here to which they are gathering. I want them to live here, but I want them to plant their own potatoes and hoe them. It would appear that they think that a civilized community can not live long together without contention and consequent lawsuits. Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 257. So, when Jesus was talking about the eagles being gathered together, um, that's in Matthew chapter 24, and he's talking about the last days, and he says, where the eagles are gathered together, um, he's talking about the elect of God, feeding on the meat of the gospel from a dead church. Now, uh, many years ago, as I was reading this with my aunt, we both got the revelation that the 
the carcass that Jesus is speaking here is the restoration after it has died. And the elect trying to feed on the meat of the dead church. And why do I say that? Well, if you've listened to this program for a while, you'll know that uh, in Doctrine and Covenants section 124, Jesus says that he will reject the church with their dead if certain requirements are not met. And the requirement was that they build that temple in Nauvoo, and they'd have three other chances to build this temple. But in Nauvoo, they were given their last chance where the Father or the Most High could come to other and that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. And I'm talking about DNC section 124, 27, and 28. Jesus says if these things are not done, that the church would be rejected with their dead and that instead of blessings, they would receive wrath and cursings and indignation. And one of the promises was that if they did what they were supposed to do, that God would fight their battles for them and they would not be removed from their place. But we see through a a very casual study of church history that they lost their place, that God did not fight their battles for them. They lost their place, which is an indication that they were rejected. Because Jesus said they would not lose their place if they were obedient. Jesus also said all they who hinder this work would be cursed to the third and fourth generation. And I don't want to get too much into it. But instead of building the temple, they were building other things like the Masonic Lodge. Brigham Young was building the second wing of his, of his mansion. Uh, they were doing land speculation. Uh, basically uh, buying up land for pennies on the dollar and then trying to get rich. This, this is, these were the leaders of the church that were doing this. And Joseph Smith was telling them to stop doing these things, but they continued to do these things. And they kind of put the temple on the back burner that would use the consecrated wood that was, uh, that was cut down and shipped down the Mississippi, Mississippi from Wisconsin to build other things instead of the temple. And so when Jesus says that he'll reject the church with their dead, well, when he rejected it, the church died. That's why you don't get revelation anymore. In section one twenty <coughs> excuse me. In section one twenty four Jesus says that this when you build this temple and the fullness of the priesthood is restored, that this will be the beginning of revelations. And I believe that these revelations would lead to Zion's redemption. But it was the end of revelation for them because they did not do as they were instructed. They dragged their feet and they were rejected as a church with their dead. And so when Jesus in his mortal ministry talks about the the carcass and the, the elect or the eagles gathering around the carcass, he's painting a picture of the Latter-day Church, the Latter-day Gentiles who would be slothful and disobedient and not 
obey the word of God and be rejected as a church with their dead the way he said in section 124 what what would happen and that revelation was given in January of 1841 and three and a half years later they had not finished the temple they had just started on the second story of the temple and the father never came to that temple and like I've said before and I guess I'm just going to say it again when Brigham Young had to make excuses about the fullness of the priesthood he said that Joseph Smith gave it to him but in the revelation it says the father had to restore that and the father never came to that temple because it was never finished in the life of Joseph Smith or even after that it was never finished but in the life of Joseph Smith Brigham Young claimed that Joseph Smith had the fullness of the priesthood and he gave it to Brigham Young in the red brick store but Joseph Smith never received the fullness of the priesthood and even if he did um, the fullness of the priesthood is not a priesthood that can be given from man to man it has to be given from God to man the only ones who receive the fullness of the priesthood are they who have received it from the father himself the endowment that Brigham Young claimed was given to him by Joseph Smith well he had to come up with that too because there was an endowment that was supposed to be given in the Nauvoo temple but the endowment wasn't meant to be a Masonic play it was meant to be an endowment of power which comes with the receiving of the fullness of the priesthood from the hand of the father himself oh man I'm actually having to pause a lot as I'm talking because I haven't been sick for a long time but I'm pretty sick right now so just laying here in my house my whole family's asleep and I'm usually up at night anyway so I'm up in the living room laying on the couch just trying to be quiet so I don't disturb anybody as they sleep and uh, I thought it would be a good time to record these episodes even though I'm sick so I hope you'll uh, be patient with my illness I've been pretty lucky I haven't been sick in like a year, maybe. I think it's been over a year. Well, maybe not. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been sick. But anyway, uh, we're on page 109 if you're reading along with us. So let's continue. Let this land come into market and the brethren by sections, half sections or quarter sections, and soon. And how soon would hear you would hear bless you now we have law to defend us can you not see that tradition makes the brethren where there is a little difficulty walk into a courtroom with all the confidence imaginable feeling almost like little gods and exclaiming now things will be done as they should be matters will go right now and what is done why the lawyers in the court take pretty much all the money 
for a debt of $5 taken into court, they will expend $100 of your means in lawyers' fees, jury fees, and other court, court expenses when the question could have been settled in five minutes. Journal of Discourses, Volume 3, page 326. And this just makes me think of the injustices done in the United States today in the court systems. Like, there's all of these fees and all this money to be made on prisoners, but the victims very, very seldom get any reparations. Like, they talk about reparations for all these things that were done in old times by other people, and they want us to pay all these reparations, but, like, the victims of crimes that are being committed today do not receive any reparations, and, in fact... You have lawless, <coughs> George Soros-funded um, district attorneys who do not prosecute crime. And this is all part of the downfall of our civilization. They want this, this nation to fall. They want these crimes to be committed in our midst uh, because they want this nation to be destroyed. The Constitution, they understand, is, is God-ordained. It is next to Scripture. And I know you've got some things that are controversial, like the three-fifths clause. A lot of people jump on that one today, but <coughs> the reason why they settled on three-fifths was because the southern states with all of their slaves would have had more power than the northern states and slavery never would have been abolished. And so for the three-fifths clause, if you are not American, you don't understand what I'm talking about. What it was is in the Constitution, each slave had three-fifths Right, right to vote, which means they didn't have as much power as, as especially white men. But this was done so that uh, this compromise was done so that the slave states wouldn't override the power of the northern states that wanted to abolish slavery. And. Uh, <coughs> a lot of people these days in their ignorance they'll, they'll say oh this is done because the black man is inferior or whatever but they were trying to free the slaves um, I know that Thomas Jefferson also had slaves but uh, and he would have released them I believe except for if he would have released them he would have released them into a society that would not give them what he could give them as a plantation owner. So he kept them because of the society and the times that they lived in to give them a better life than they would have had otherwise. So um, that's what I believe was going on there. Um, and I've taken a pretty good... Uh, look into these things, a good study of these things, and that's what I believe was going on. But people want to twist it and race bait around it uh, to try to destroy our society, and that's what they're doing right now. You're watching society fall down around you.
you're watching the lawless become lawful. Uh, they are not prosecuting crimes. And even when they do prosecute crimes, the victims never get reparations. The criminals are never made to pay back the victims. All that money goes into these corporate prisons in the system where they make money off of these people and they take money from the government to, to do what they do. It's a, it's a get-rich-quick quick scheme if you can get into it, but most of us common peasants don't get into it because we're not, we're not the, the, uh, the learned and whatever, so... Continuing on in Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 7, it says, I swear by the God of heaven that we will not spend any money in feeing lawyers. All of the lawsuits that have gotten up against the saints have been hatched up to fee lawyers, tavern keepers, etc. I would rather have a six shooter than all the lawyers in Illinois. I am sworn not to pay lawyers, but to pay our debts. And it will re, 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 relieve us of our immense tax. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 7, page 386. Brigham Young also stated, It will be well to observe this plain and necessary counsel, and bear in mind that we have no fellowship for litigations, lo, uh, litigation lawyers, nor for any person who prefers litigation. Brigham Young, Heber C. Kimball, and J.M.G. I don't know who that is. Message of the First Presidency, Volume 2, page 156. Who's J.M.G.? Joseph, I don't know. I don't know who his second counselor was. I can't remember right now. Anyway, continuing on. This is from Teachings of the Prophet Brigham Young. If that Jesse J. Hartley that I voted for yesterday to go on a mission is the lawyer that came from Oregon last fall, I, renounce, I rescind my vote for that man is a vagabond, or a vagrant, a thief, and a robber. He ought to be baptized in the salt lake with stones tied to him and hold him under 24 hours to wash away one hundredth part of his sins. He ought to be sent to hell across lots of lots on a mission to preach to the damned. That they, if that Hartley appointed on a mission is not this one that I speak of, this will not hurt him. But if he is that man. What I have said is right. Teachings of the Prophet Brigham Young, Volume 3, page 287. And we're on page 110 if you're reading along with us. Continuing on. If there is to be an investigation before the council of this kind, it is the duty of that body of men to strive to learn for truth for the sake of doing justice to both parties. If a man for the sake of a fee, for the sake of gain, if bound and will come into the court or council, 
and stay a lie, he has no business there. Or I am sorry to believe, if this principle is tried, it would pinch some of our brethren who have dabbled in the law. President Brigham Young, I wish it would be it would pinch them to death. And that was George Albert Smith, Journal of Discourses, Volume 10, page 63. Brigham Young again says, "Do you think we shall all are? Do you think we shall want any lawyers in our society? No, I think not. Do you not think they will howl around? Yes." You will hear their howls going up morning and evening, bewailing one another. They will howl. We can get we can get no lawsuits here. We can find nobody that will quarrel with his neighbor. What shall we do? I feel about them as Peter of Russia is said to have felt when he was in England. He saw and heard the lawyers pleading at their great great trial there, and he was asked his opinion concerning them. He replied that he had two lawyers in his empire, and when he got home, he intended to hang one of them. That is that is about the love I have for some lawyers who are always striving up, stirring up strife. But not, but that lawyers are good in their place, but where is their place? I cannot find it. And that's Brigham Young from Journal of Discourses. Volume 15, page 224, continuing on. Our religion incorporates every act and word of man. No man should go to merchandising unless he does it in God. No man should go to farming or any other business unless he does it in the Lord. No lawyer, no hold on. I will leave the lawyers out. We want... We do not want them. We have no use for them. Journal of Discourses, volume 13, page 60. (coughs) And I like what he says here when he talks about nobody should go to a specific work unless they do it for God. And it's sad in our society. So I'll just take my experience, um, my life experience. It seems like people are so willing to go to church on Sunday, especially Mormons, and then be deceptive and deceitful, uh, thieving their their neighbors and their fellow businessmen and their customers. Um, you know, this, this farm that I bought, 10 acres, it was supposed to come with 26 shares of water. And... When we did a lease purchase in November of 2019 for a period of two years, and at the end of the lease period, we had the option to buy. But there had to be work done on the home, which the homeowners made sure that they were going to do, the people who we were leasing from, And we were specifically told in our contract that we were not allowed to do any work on the house. So a year and a half goes by and we keep telling them, hey, these things have to be done. No bank is going to give us a loan on this house unless these things are done. And they started to come down. 
and the end of the period comes and goes, we get approved at 3.2% interest rate if we can buy the house, but we can't buy the house because they haven't done what they said they were going to do and we could not, under the terms of the contract, do the work ourselves. So they continued to come down every once in a while and they were gonna fix a few things here and fix a few things there. And then in February, they said, we're not coming down anymore to fix anything. Even though we couldn't do it under the terms of our contract, they were trying to make it so that we could not buy the house so that we would lose all that money that we put into it. And we did a ton of work on the property that we could do, fencing uh, and different things that we could do which took a lot of manpower because I, I bought the, the fencing and, and all of the stuff myself to do what needed to be done. But anyway, so uh, we finally get everything done with the house and we're able to close on April 20th of 2022, just earlier this year. And they had to sell it to us even though they had broken their contract. And uh, when we were able to sign, instead of being 3.2%, it was at 5.7, which over the course of the loan is over $100,000 in interest that we're gonna pay because they didn't keep their contract. But when we went to sign, they only gave us five shares of water and it was supposed to be 26 and these people are good upstanding members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and they don't have two thoughts about how deceitful and deceptive they are about uh about what they're doing they they just said well we're we we're legally obligated to give you five so that's what we're giving you no the agreement was 26 you know, and uh, and the fact that we had to do all this extra work that we were not supposed to do under the terms of the contract, um, and it was not closed on time, now we're going to pay over $100,000 in it, just in interest over the life of the loan, but it's not a big deal to them. They walk away with 21 shares of water that was supposed to be for this land, and now I can't, there's no, people don't sell shares of water. So I can't get the shares. And I'm torn between, do I want to sue them? Because I have a case. I've had three lawyers tell me I have a case. But at the same time, we're not supposed to take people to law, you know? <coughs> we're not supposed to. And that's a New Testament thing that Jesus talks about. So I'm kind of torn. Like, what do I do, you know? They're not going to be honest. And I guess I'll leave judgment up to God, but I still have all these acres that I can't farm because I don't have water and nobody's selling water. You know, so I'm kind of in a bind. And it's just, it makes me angry and it makes me sad, but I can't do anything about it unless I want to sue them like the way of the Babylonian. And so I just sit here and think, well, I'm just going to have to trust God and hopefully... I have all this land for some reason, you know, other than just living here in this house. Like I thought, I want, like, I feel like God 
gave me this this home and this property as a stewardship. And so I'm just wondering what that's going to be, you know, other than just taking care of it the best I can. I mean, we do have livestock. Uh, we have 13 goats and like 50 chickens and then probably 10, 15 cats <laughs> and one dog. But um, I, I'm just, I'm torn in this because I don't want to support lawyer craft. And I wish I could take them to the church, but the church doesn't care about these kind of things. You know, so I'm just like, okay, well, I'll leave it up to God. And I feel sorry for the woman because she thinks that this is okay. And this this is what members of the church do. This happens so often within the church. Like I've worked for people who own trucking companies who are temple, like temple recommend Mormons. And they don't mind forcing their drivers to drive illegally, to do shady stuff, you know, um, to just to do, I, I won't go into detail with things, but like, but these, these people think that they are the elect of God and they're, they're, they're worthy to go to the temple and whatnot. And they're not because like, I think we believe in obeying the laws of the land. You know, I think that's, one of the tenets of Mormonism, it's in the Articles of Faith, but they have no problem lying to their their bishop and stake president about how honest they are when they're ready to do whatever it takes to uh, to put a dime in their pocket and give a penny out to their employees, you know? Anyway, continuing on. Let's see here. <coughs> Excuse me. We're on page 111 if you're reading along with us, with me. I don't know why I always say us, it's just me. Sometimes it's my wife and kids, but right now it's just me. What can, what use can there be in the kingdom of heaven for pill makers and lawyers? I will relate an antidote that shows how they will be disposed of. Down in Boston, there were two men, a doctor and a lawyer. One was named Root and the other Stone. One day, as they walked along and saw a priest approaching them, so they concluded to ask him what kind of place the kingdom of heaven was. They They put the question to the priest, and smooth soil, he said, I will describe it to you the best I can. It is like an extended... It is like... It is like an extended level, beautiful plain covered with every kind of fragrant flower and delicious fruit you can imagine. And there is not a, sto- a stone or a root in it. <coughs> there is none of these poor, filthy, lazy curses there. What must be done with them? Why? They must learn useful trades if they want to ever go there and then be lackeys to all the eternities. Excuse my plain and homely manner of expressing myself. I am endeavoring to speak so that you can understand me. Were I, were I to, to use a smooth, silky, sectarian tone, you could not remember a word of it. Teachings of the Prophet Brigham Young, Volume 3, page 341.
President Young's sectarian or sarcasm and criticism of lawyers was not without cause. As for many years, he had he had seen the suffering and abuse that Joseph Smith and others of the saints had endured at the hands of lawyers, and it left a deep scar on him. Brigham Young himself had also gone through many bad experiences with lawyers, so it is no wonder that he did not have a kind word to say about them. So that is uh, the reading for today. When I come back on, we'll be on page 112, and we'll be talking about the negatives and the positives of lawyer craft. So, uh, if we have any guest callers, the guest call-in line is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. And uh, the, the next program will air on Wednesday. Let me see here make sure I know what date this is coming out on. So this will air on uh, Wednesday, the 12th of October, 2022. And we're going to shoot for between um, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And the guest call-in lines will be open after the reading portion of the program is over for any questions or comments. So uh, the phone lines are now open if anybody wants to call. And you can also go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Zion's Redemption Radio Network. There's a chat room there, and I will try to monitor the chat room for any questions or comments that come up. Thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. God bless. And the phone lines are now open. And the phone lines are 917-889-8827. That's for any question on restoration theology that you might have for me or any statements. uh, I'll take them all. Um, While we are waiting for uh, people to call in, I I found this book that uh, somebody received in Mill Creek, Utah, October 2nd, 2020. So uh, God is giving different prophets translations. Um, God is, has opened up the heavens again, and uh, these translations are coming through uh, his servants, which are not the leaders of any uh, church or congregation. Uh, there are many different seers who are receiving things. I've received things, uh, thus saith revelations and God made it known to me that he has many things that he has for me um, when I'm ready when I'm ready to receive them and um, part of being ready to receive them is actually not being bogged down in Babylon the Great so I probably won't receive them until everything falls apart and nobody has any jobs anymore and we're being led and the highways at the top of the mountains, as Isaiah foretold, and into the desert places, which uh, is south. No, it's north. The place that God has showed me to go to when everything falls apart. And he said, he said, I'll know the time when to go. 
because it'll be too dangerous even here in Emory County for us to remain. So we're waiting for that time. It could be next year. It could be this winter. It could be years from now. I don't know. I haven't been given any kind of timelines. Um, I've just been told where to go when the time comes. So um, anybody who does call in, if you call in, um, I will see that you have that you are on the studio, and I'll be able to see your number and everything. If you just are listening, which we have people who call in just to listen, that's fine. But if you have a question or a comment, push one. And when you push one, I will see that your hand has been raised, and uh, I will, uh, as soon as I can, I will take the call, uh, the question or comment. Do not tell me your last name. Just tell me where you're from and what your first name is. So, all right, uh, like I said, the guest call-in line is now open. The guest call-in line is 917-889-8827. So this is the book of Shiloh, which is interesting. Shiloh, in Genesis chapter 49, um, it says that the scepter of power shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. Now, some people believe that Jesus Christ was was Shiloh. But Shiloh... Oh, there goes my wife. Hi, I'm on the uh, phone call or on the radio show. Oh, okay. Um, am I merged or no? No, because you didn't call. You called in the uh, my personal phone, not my company Someone phone. Someone just wants to know, does she have areas tomorrow? Um, I don't know. He's asleep on our bed right now. Emma, he did. He threw up today, so he's still okay, so sick. Keep him home. Okay. I know, I know. And you're on, like you're not directly on the line, but like okay, sorry. you're right next to the okay. headset. I'll so. be quiet. Uh, are you gonna stay on and listen to what I'm reading? Um, yeah. I'll mute myself. How about you call in the guest call-in number, which is 917-889-8827. And I'll merge you in with the phone call. Okay, I'm going to take a picture really quick so I can show Emma outside my hotel room. Okay. 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 All right, bye. Bye. (laughs) That was my wife. So I'm teasing my wife right now. Emmett doesn't know this. Emmett, you get to know this. We are teasing mom right now. So mom is in Georgia because she's at this kindergartner conference and she's having a great time with her kindergartner teacher friends and like they're having a great time. And this is the first time she's been alone on a vacation by herself since we got married. And I think even before Emma was born, like Emma's 17 and uh, she's never gone anywhere by herself like, and I couldn't go with her because, like, we need the money, and I can't just stop working because um, I want to go anywhere. Like, I'm in bondage here. <laughs> so, um, so, but I keep teasing her because she doesn't call me. She's like, oh, the conference will be over at a specific time. I'll call you. She doesn't call me. It's uh, 6.49 p.m., which is almost 
nine o'clock in Georgia. And, uh, and she's just barely calling me. And like this morning, she's all, I'm going to get up at six in the morning. And yesterday I drove from 3 PM Sunday, Sunday uh, afternoon, night, whatever. I don't know. 3 PM till 5 AM in the morning. And then I didn't even get home till like six thirty. And, um, and you know, six thirty is eight thirty there, which the conference started at eight and she said she'd call me at six or after she got up and she didn't call me. So now I'm like kinda of teasing her about how she's in the Caribbean with her secret boyfriend, even though I can hear her her uh the other uh two teachers that went from uh the school district with her that are her friends, like giggling in the la- uh, the background because like they were going to go shopping and they had to get an uber and whatever anyway so um i keep te- i'm teasing her now that uh that she is not really where she says she is that she is in jamaica or somewhere in the caribbean and she's with her secret boyfriend and it's just fun i i love my wife i don't believe for one second emma i don't want to see it I'll look at it later. Anyway, um, so I like teasing her because I love my wife, and that's part part of my love language is just teasing. So not a bad way. But anyway, so um, Shiloh, a lot of people believe that Jesus Christ is Shiloh, but I beg to differ because Jesus Christ is Mashiach ben, ben Judah. He is from the tribe of Judah. Now, did the scepter of power depart from the tribe of Judah when Messiah ben Judah came? No. Messiah ben Judah is Jesus Christ. Now, when the scepter was given to Peter, James, and John, who were all Jews, did the scepter of power depart from the tribe of Judah? No, it did not. It remained within the tribe of Judah in people who were literal descendants of Judah. So it did not depart from Judah when Peter, James, and John had the scepter of power. But when Peter, James, and John gave the Melchizedek priesthood to Joseph Smith, a pure Ephraimite. The scepter of power departed from the tribe of Judah to the pure Ephraimite known as Joseph Smith, who is Shiloh. Emmett, I hear Arius throwing up on my bed. Um, If he did, I need you to strip my bed and I need you to bring all of the blankets down because they have because I have to have something to sleep on tomorrow when I get home. No, I'm not sleeping on the couch. <laughs> Bonehead. Anyway, he points at the couch. Oh, I sleep on the couch. Sleep in the daytime on the couch, and then I crash my truck because I'm too tired to drive, and I can't take another day off because I'm already hurting. Because <laughs> I was sick last week. Anyway, hey, I'm on the radio show. Go talk to Emmett. Don't talk to me. It's my nine-year-old who has to tell me something about something. Anyway, it's not, it's not important right now. It's not an emergency. Anyway, so um, 
Now, a lot of people believe that Joseph Smith is the Davidic servant, but Jesse was the father of David, who was a Jew. When the separate parted from Judah, they did not go to a Davidic servant who was part of Judah. Joseph Smith is not the Davidic servant. He is a pure Ephraimite of the lineage of Yosef, Joseph, of the tribe of Ephraim, not Manasseh. Not Manasseh. Joseph Smith is not the Davidic servant. He will assist as a resurrected being in the redemption of Zion, but he is not all that everybody keeps saying that he, well, not everybody, like a specific group of people believe that Joseph Smith's going to return as a mortal on the earth and, uh, and he's going to come back for a second. And there's plenty of scriptures that can be seen as somehow worked into this theory that they have, but Joseph Smith is Shiloh. He is not the Davidic servant. I'm sorry, he's not. Now, I want to be humble. I don't want to be boastful, but I am the Davidic servant. I am the second witness of the Father. I was foreordained to this, and i talked about this many times in the past. I was foreordained from the quorum of, of they who were mighty and strong who remained after the rebellion of, of Lucifer when he became Hasatan or Satan. And I was chosen to take his place as the witness, as the bearer of light and truth. And I was chosen from they who were mighty and strong, and there are 15 for each earth, according to what the Father showed me when he said, kneel down before me, and after you are in 2013, January of 2013. And like it took me a minute, and like I couldn't believe what I was seeing, like I was being, I was showing all these things, right? And I looked at the Father after he showed me everything, and he was just smiling at me. And I was like, just looking at him, and I'm like, am I the witness? And he just had this smile on his face and this this chuckle in his voice. And he said, well, it has to be somebody. And I had no idea before that. I thought Joseph Smith was a lot of things, but it turns out he's not. He is not the witness of the Father and the Son. I am. I am a direct descendant of David on my father's side through his mother who have kept the uh, kept trunks of genealogies. We go all the way back to uh, all the way back to Adam and Eve through the genealogies that they have kept. My grandmother was um, Reisovitz, Lucille Reisovitz. They are Czechoslovakian Jews. They came here into the Americas a long time ago. And they came out of Czechoslovakia, uh, East German area. 
and they were Czechoslovakian Jews who are direct descendants of King David. And you can go all the way back to Adam and Eve on that side of my family. On my mother's side of the family, I am from Britannia, Britannia. <laughs> Scottish. And if you see me, you see my red beard. Yeah, I'm Scottish. <laughs> oh, excuse me. My my aunt on my on my mother's side, her sister, has our genealogy, and she has sent me uh, different uh, lineages, different uh, genealogies to show me how far back we go in our genealogy. And we go back through the kings and queens of Scotland and England, all the way back to Charlemagne, and we go all the way back into biblical times through the house of Yosef. The Davidic servant is a is of the lineage of of Judah, but also of the lineage of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. And on my grandmother's side, on my maternal grandmother's side, her grandmother was a pure Iroquois Indian from the Seneca Nation. So we go back through Ephraim, through Scotland, which, by the way, Joseph Smith, that name Smith, was uh, changed a little bit from the Scottish Smith to the English Smith. There's different spellings. But Joseph Smith was of the lineage of Scotland, not England. Joseph Smith was Scottish, not English. And I don't know his full genealogy, but I believe he goes back to the kings and uh, kings and queens of Scotland as well. So, I, um, and I'm only bringing that up because of the title of this translation that I'm about to read, which is 75 verses long, so I should probably get into it. But it's called the Book of Shiloh. Revelation given to the prophet Shiloh, received October 2nd, 2020, in Mill Creek, Utah. And I believe this is from, the, uh, from, from God. Thus saith the Lord unto my servant, unto my people who have been scattered abroad upon all the face of my footstool who await my coming in glory. Behold, I, Jesus Christ, call upon you to awaken and hear my word, for I am in your midst, but ye perceive me not. Yea, your eyes of understanding must needs be opened while there is still time to flee from Babylon and come to Zion. Now remember, Isaiah said that Zion would be born in the wilderness and in the desert places in some city somewhere. Uh, Zion will be established upon the earth when the New Jerusalem comes down and, and meets with earth, you know, but... Zion, according to what Isaiah saw, would be born in the desert and in, in the wilderness and the desert places. And it talks about them uh, traveling in the highways at the top of the mountains uh, as a remnant, a residue of the people, not a large group of people, but they who are those who will do what God has commanded so that Zion can be redeemed. 
Genesis chapter 9 of the Joseph Smith translation says that Zion will come down from above when there is a people on their earth who keep all of God's commandments. That's those people who are the residue or the remnant who are obedient to God, who are doing what he has asked them to do, both in the restoration theology that has been stored through Joseph Smith, but keeping the commandments of God whenever he has given them. Although many people claim to be building my Zion, but fall short, they ascribe authority to those devoid of and teach the doctrines and commandments of men. Because there's lots of people running around claiming to have authority, but they don't have it. Wherefore, I give unto you this this revelation to prepare you to come out of darkness in the night into the everlasting light of day. And upon repenting of all of your sins and iniquities, I invite you to come into my kingdom, which now existeth upon the earth. Verily I say that the vast majority of my people are unaware that my kingdom is not to be headquartered in an old in the old world of Palestine, where the state of Israel existeth today. And like the, the, the whole fact that they called it Israel, it should have been called Judea, because Israel is the northern kingdom. Israel, uh, the name of Israel was Jacob, that, you know, Jacob, he was given a new name, Israel. And Israel passed that birthright down to Ephraim. And Ephraim controlled the, the northern kingdoms. Judah controlled the southern kingdom. So they did this whole bait and switch when they, they decided in 1948 to name it Israel. It should have been Judea. Okay? The land of Ephraim is the true Israel. And according to Genesis 49, the land of Ephraim would be in the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills. Those hills go from almost the South Pole, almost all the way up to the North Pole. They start in the Andes Mountains, and they go all the way up through Latin America, all the way up to North America, all the way up to the north uh, tip of North America, and that utmost bounds of the everlasting hills is North America. That is the land of Ephraim and Joseph, but Ephraim, and Ephraim was given the birthright name of Israel. That's why this land that we live on, that many of us live on, that I'm speaking from right now in the heart of the Rocky Mountains, is true Israel. For when I said that my kingdom is not of this world, I meant that I shall rule and reign when the new heavens and the new earth of the new world are established. For behold, when I came to redeem the people of the southern kingdom of Judah as their king Messiah, see Jesus Christ is Mashiach ben Yosef, or Mashiach ben Judah, Messiah ben Judah, he is the king Messiah. There's two. Actually, there's many more messiahs than just two, but there's two main ones. 
is Messiah ben Judah. That's Jesus and Messiah ben Yosef. You're listening to him right now. I am Messiah ben Yosef, the Davidic servant, who is partly of the house of Judah and partly of the house of Joseph through Ephraim and Manasseh. The time was not not yet for me to assume the throne on earth in full power, and, and that's Jesus speaking. Nevertheless, I did fulfill the prophetic blueprint of day four of creation when I was born as the greater light to rule the day at the close of the fourth millennium. Yet the day wherein I shall rule as the greater light doth not come to pass until day one of the new world, even when the day is divided from night. And lo, this time of division hath now come. The first millennial day of the new world is the time when all things shall be made new through through the power of my word. For the righteous shall resurrect unto eternal life and relish the light of day while the wicked that resurrect unto eternal spiritual death and grope in the darkness of night. Yea, this is also the time foretold when the prophetic aspects of the fall feast shall be fulfilled when all shall be judged whether they are of the wheat or of the tares. And right now we're in the midst of the fall feast of Sukkot. These times and seasons, these holy days of Jehovah are important. And it makes me sad because I can't. I can't afford we're so far behind with everything because I didn't have a job for a while, I've been sick, um, and I'm making $1,500 less a month than I, I was making before. You know, we're struggling, and we don't have the money to even breathe. If we have a, a car breakdown or something, like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm working on trying to get other employment, I don't know how that's going to work out. <laughs> but then that's the whole that the problem and I'm sorry I'm going off on a tangent here. My problem is that none of you actually believe me enough to help me out. And so the devil has his way with me and he keeps me so preoccupied doing like what am I going to do abandon my family and go and do what like Do my radio show, cell phone while I'm homeless somewhere. I don't even know. I'm not going to abandon my family because people who do that, men who abandon their family, according to Timothy, well, Paul writing to Timothy, are worse than infidels. I have five living children and a wife to take care of and a bunch of animals. So, but the devil can have his way with me and screw me up all kinds of different ways. And then I barely have time to think, let alone do these radio programs, let alone 
sit down and have the time to actually uh, receive the revelations that God has for me to give to you. The translations that God has for me to give to the elect. And I've received some of them, but people are not ready or worthy to receive them. And another one of the revelations that I received that I was going to read tonight, it talks about, you know, I need to be able to be supported by the people so that I can do the work that God has me to do. And Joseph Smith had to do the same thing. He had to be supported by the people so that he could do the work of restoration that he needed to do. And luckily he had that and I don't have that. So anyway, I'll continue to read. Yea, this is also the time foretold the prophetic aspects of the fall feast shall be fulfilled when all shall be judged, whether they are of the wheat or of the tares. And behold, the book of Shiloh revealeth how to open the book sealed with seven seals and receive its light in its full splendor. And the sealed portion of Holy Writ provideth the criteria upon which everyone shall be divided at this time. In the book of this sealed Yea, the opening of the sealed book severeth many, or serveth many purposes, foremost of which is to empower those who are truly of me. For they must be able to positively identify my true servants from those who hearken to false spirits to lead people astray. And most importantly, this includeth how to identify the servant who is the root of David, Yea, even Shiloh from the birthright tribe of Joseph. For behold, he was foreordained to open the sealed book, wield the scepter of my kingdom, and gather my people of the house of Israel in the last days. Furthermore, my son Shiloh shall be called to order the house of Ishmael and Esau to stand in their rightful places that they no longer afflict the of the house of Israel who stand acknowledged in their rightful place. Yea, as the book of Shiloh expandeth with new revelations, my word shall light the way out of darkness and chaos that is oversweeping this spiritually dying world. Those who will who diligently study these revelations, yea, even seek, seeking to understand them thoroughly in the spirit of truth shall escape the darkness which which enshroudeth them. For behold, many are putting their trust in God and believe that he will rescue them from darkness, but they neglect to do their part in this process, yea, even to feast upon my word and watch for my coming. Yea, they think that salvation from this gulf of spiritual death will be given to them by some means of forcible forcible intervention, intervention simply because they profess to believe in me. 
And many believe in what they call the rapture that shall supernaturally whisk them away to safety at this perilous time of tribulation. But their belief is only fantastical, for my kingdom is literally in the new world of America, the land of Israel, the true land of Israel, as a tangible entity rather than only in some extra-dimensional plane of existence. For, furthermore, this belief causes apathy because they begin to detach themselves from earthly life, thinking that their token acceptance of me is all that shall be required of them. Behold the correct path for my saints to be quickened, to abide my coming in glory beginneth in an individual spiritual process and culminateth as a collective physical process, meaning come out of Babylon the Great and there is a gathering place where you are required to go to be part of those people. But only those who seek diligently and ask humbly in my name shall be given the understanding of how and where to gather to safety and live in my presence. And being quickened to abide my glory is indeed a supernatural process for all are required to qualify for, receive, and yield to the promptings of the Holy Spirit or God the Witness who revealeth the truth of all things. So now remember, Isaiah saw that Zion would be born in the highways of the top of the mountain and in the desert places, which does not describe even a little bit Independence, Missouri, or Nauvoo, Illinois. For the people who are gathering to those places, that is not where Zion is going to be born. It will reside there as a child is born in the wilderness and it comes to its place. But if you think you're going to go there and something's going to happen there before all the, there's a whole bunch that has to happen before it gets to that point. Zion is, is born in the wilderness and in the desert places. We're in the heart of Castle Country, Utah. This is the gathering place and Zion's birth will be south of here in a specific place that God created thousands and millennia, however many thousands of years ago, it is prepared, it is there, and it is waiting in the middle of desolate wilderness, an oasis. And it's there. I've seen it. God has, has shown me this place. And the vast majority of those who believe themselves to be right are under so much delusion that they consider that which is good to be evil and that which is evil to be good. How, oh, how hopeless, hopelessly lost are those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight, yea, even thinking that they are righteous when in fact they are among my fiercest of enemies. And my servant Jeremiah lamented, excuse me, you can go to bed, go, you know what I'm doing here, you need to stop, 
I don't care. Both of you go upstairs. All right. I've got a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old, and we have a three-year-old, too. And it's funny. Whenever uh, – I'm usually working at night, so I'm not here when it's time for them to bed. And my wife's always like, oh, I can't get them to stop giggling. They're always giggling. And we even, like, put them in separate rooms, but it doesn't matter. They giggle all the time. And they run around, and they're ridiculous, and I love them. I love my kids so much. But they need to learn that when I'm doing my, my program, that they need to stop making a bunch of noises. So anyway. Yea, my servant Jeremiah lamented the condition of my people at this crucial juncture prior to the breaking forth of the light of the fullness of my kingdom on day one new creation. For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They have Scottish children and they have none understanding. Or Scottish, I don't know what that word is. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, they had, they had no light. For lo, I taught the Beatitudes because each point of my sermon on the mount was carefully designed to remedy this woeful state of blindness and hypocrisy. However, my people have hearkened to another gospel wherein my word hath been used as a club with, with which to beat others instead of as a rudder to steer their own actions. Yea, those of my people who hunger and thirst for my righteousness shall be filled, for they maintain a childlike curiosity in their passionate quest for deeper understanding regardless of how comforting it may be. And those who humble themselves before me sufficiently to repent of all their dark-mindedness and iniquities shall be filled as well. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm still sick. I'm actually burning up, but I'm still, still going to work because like, I can't take any more time off. Um, like I said, we're going to hurt in here. For having a believing spirit enableth them to put the trust first, regardless of the hardship and humiliation that they must endure to repent. And we're on verse 43, and there's 75 verses, so we're still going. It's going to take a minute. And those who seek first for my kingdom place, uh, place it as their highest priority in their lives because they understand that unless the pure in heart gather together and build a new society, the wicked shall continue to rule over them and their posterity. And all these character traits are essential for white people to come out from under the darkness of this untoward generation and enter into the light of my kingdom. And all those who step forward and are found worthy to enter into the new and everlasting covenant shall indeed be heirs to eternal life. And the new and everlasting covenant is a contrite heart. 
a believing heart, that you are willing to give up all of your sins and all of your iniquities to know God. It's like my friends that talk about the doctrine of Christ, that is the doctrine of Christ. And it was given, I think, well, I know it's given in Scripture, but I think it was given in 1832 at the Kirtland Temple. No, Brigham Young, he turned it into a marriage covenant. And there is, there are ceilings that are very important that have to do with this whole process. But that's not, that's not the fullness of the everlasting covenant, the new and everlasting covenant. And as those few who are endowed by power from on high share this further light and knowledge with their associates, these great truths shall begin to propagate. Nevertheless, the vast majority of people who claim to believe in God, the God of Abraham shall reject this greater light because of the precepts of men, for they know him not. Neither do they grasp the core of the plan of the Father, wherein all immortal souls may progress from world to world in order to reach greater degrees of spiritual glory. That has to do with multiple mortal probations from world to world. Not reincarnation. It's different. And I've talked about that before in in the past. So basically, at the end of... The, the round of this earth's creation when we are damned in a state of resurrection unless we're exalted we will have the opportunity when God creates a new heaven, a new earth to put off our, our resurrection and go on a new earth as spirit beings and we will gain experience in immortality and gain a higher level of resurrection. Now we're on verse 50, so we've got about 25 verses left. For the measure of creation that they are for... Oh my gosh. This, I will come right back to you guys. Hold on. Okay, sorry about that. Um, So my truck broke down the other day, and I'm sharing with another person. And uh, since I'm sick, she's very concerned that I have COVID, even though I've had both strains. uh, I don't have COVID. I just have the flu. The flu is going around in Emory County uh, at the high school. A bunch of people are sick from it. My son brought it home to me. It's just the flu. It's not COVID. But anyway, she's freaking out about it. So I can't just take time off because she's freaking out. And she she never wants me to drive her truck. She's the only one that drives that truck. And, oh, she drives me nuts. But anyway, whatever. Um, 
and she had called me a couple of times, and I just kept ignoring it. So I was like, okay, maybe we'll just see what she has to say. So anyway, sorry about that. And the podcast, one of the nice things about the podcast is when it all goes at the end of the program, it'll go through its like processing. And then when it goes to podcast, any dead air like that, and that was that was five minutes long, all of that will be edited out and it will be one smooth thing. And there might be a little tiny bit of dead air, but you, you ain't going to sit there for five minutes on the podcast. So I, it's kind of one thing I like about the uh, – you know, the podcast, whenever I have something that comes up, I, you know, it's kind of nice. So anyway, uh, all right, we're in verse 50. For the measure of creation that they are foreordained to fill in each cycle of eternal eternity pertaineth to the degree of liberty and intelligence of the society wherein they shall live. Alas, the elements of intelligence are my creation who have lost the keys of knowledge or how each part of my spiritual cosmos shall identify and appreciate their other parts in their respective degrees of glory. For all of the major religions of this world have the means to come into harmony and balance in my cosmos. Yea, even by returning to their pure origins, origins and the shedding of philosophies of men mingled with scripture. Yea, the book of Shiloh shall unleash the spiritual power sealed up in all my holy scriptures to rectify the religious ignorance and delusion in the world that have caused needless fear and strife. For it exposeth the pollution and corruption of men that they, that they have caused the sun to be darkened, yea, even causing the celestial light of my kingdom to be taken from the people for a season. For lo, because of this darkness, the moon hath been empowered to usurp my kingdom and rule and reign with blood and horror upon this earth, which is why my word saith that the moon shall be turned into blood. And the new world of America is in peril, for she and her government, her government have been infested with corruption. And that I talk, I talk about that sometimes, um, and how that happened with, uh, oh, what's his name, the prime minister of Russia in the late 50s, Khrushchev, and what his plan was. And he said it right out in the uh, UN General Assembly in New York. He said exactly. Well, he didn't say exactly and give details, but he said what was going to happen, and God showed me what the details were. The day have come into this land with the principle of Balaam and Balak to bring our society down through bring uh, through sowing in wickedness and corruption, and sl- and slowly, over time, from the 1950s the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, all the way up until today, until we are overripe with iniquity. And it was Balaam, the prophet Balaam, who told the king Balak that the only way he could destroy Israel was to sow iniquity among them so that God would withdraw his blessing so that, this, so that Israel can be destroyed. Those foreshadowed what is happening today. And we are overripe in iniquity in this nation. 
and the spiritual and physical plagues of God started to be unleashed in 2013, July 15, 2013, when the power of all the holy people was severed, which is Daniel chapter 12. It talks about the man clothed in linen severing the power of all the holy people in the last days, which happened on July 15, 2013. And they're like, uh, they're like labor pains. They start slowly at first, and then they get bigger, and then they get bigger, and then they get bigger until the woman is in full, cruciating pain. Now, as a nation, this nation will be in full, excruciating pain, and it will not make it. But out of that will be the birth of Zion's redemption and the kingdom of God physically upon the earth in power. When the people who are part of Zion's redemption, the elect of God who are the remnant, in the wilderness they will receive the fullness of the priesthood, which only can be given to them by the Father laying on his hands. I cannot give it to you. I've been given it. I was given it upon Mount Vashel in 2003. I have the fullness of the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom. I cannot give you the fullness of the priesthood. Even if you are worthy beyond a shadow of a doubt, I can't give it to you. Only the Father in a temple or a tabernacle, which is how it will happen, or upon a high mountain, which is how the ancient prophets received the fullness of the priesthood. Now, they had the opportunity in Nauvoo to receive the fullness of the priesthood from the Father himself, but they were disobedient to what God told what Jesus told them to do, and they were, they were rejected as a church with their dead, and they were cursed to the fourth generation. From 1843, when Joseph Smith said that the church had been rejected with their dead, according to Lyman White, all the way up until 2003, when the father brought me up to Mount Vashel and laid his physical hands upon my head and gave me the fullness of the priesthood, and then he began working with me to bring me to the point where I could know who I was in 2013, who I am as the witness of the Father and the Son, and begin to do the work of this ministry over the last 10 years. Next spring will be the 20-year mark since I received the keys of the kingdom and the priesthood and the fullness of the priesthood. But I don't know what the time was. I don't know when the tabernacle will be, will be built in the wilderness, but I do know that God has told me to gather here in 2016 and to tell people to gather here in Emory County, and that has not been rescinded or revoked, and to warn people to leave populated areas, the cities. They need to get out. But even here in Emory County, it will become too dangerous for us to remain here. And we will be forced to go in the highways of the top of the mountains and down into the desert places where God has a place of shelter 
or Babylon the Great burns around us. An oasis in the canyons and a sheltered place surrounded by desolation. Barren wilderness where nothing grows except for where we're going. And it's not going to be, you know, there's going to be some strife there even as well because there will be people there who will, uh, who come in and they want to take over things and they want to have the authority and all this. And I'm not going to fight with any of them. I don't care. Like, oh, what I care about is Zion's redemption. I know what God has told me. If people believe it, great. If not, then it doesn't matter. But this is where we're going to be. Some people believe that there will be other gathering places. I don't know. All I know is what I've been told to tell you and what I've been told to do. And uh, and it's not a lot, but it will save your life if you're obedient to it. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Verse 56, and the new world of America is in peril for she and her government have become infested. Hold on here. With corruption, yea, even being usurped by the dragon serpent who maketh war with my Latter-day Saints. And that that's the little horn that maketh war with the saints. That's talked about in Daniel chapter 7. That actually is the, uh, the government of the United States of America. They have usurped authority over the saints of God and over the free people of this nation. Like the corruption in our country, like when God reveals to you how bad it really is, you're going to drop your jaw. You just don't even begin to realize what is going on right now and what has been going on since not long after the birth of this nation. Since the days of the restoration. And all the conservatives who profess to be my saints know not that they have been a primary instrument of the dragon serpent to war against my kingdom that I have established in this new world. Hence these hypocritical conservatives who beat the men servants and maidens of my kingdom are beginning to be beaten with the stripes by the radical leftists who have already kindled the fire as they devour to they endeavor I'm sorry to to burn this nation to ashes and God is allowing these things to happen because of the overall I, I know there's a lot of people oh I'm not wicked well, I'm, not, I'm a conservative. Oh, I, I have these values, and I, uh, 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 whatever. Like, you don't see your own wickedness because you see how bad others' wickedness is, but you yourself are wicked as well. And verily, I say, unless the believer begins to search themselves and repent of having sided with the dragon serpent against my kingdom and my new and everlasting covenant, the radical leftists shall continue to overcome them by design. 
verse 60. For behold, I have already offered my kingdom in this new world of America, beginning 200 years ago. But this nation persecuted my kingdom beyond recognition instead of building it up to their salvation and exaltation. Thus, my kingdom hath suffered a falling away. That's the apostasy of the restoration. When Jesus talks about the carcass that the, that the, the eagles gather to, he's talking about the dead church that has been re- rejected because of their own disobedience. And the eagles are the elect who are feeding on the meat of the gospel from the carcass of the dead and rejected church. When Jesus said in DNC section 124 that that the church would be rejected with their dead, he was not lying. It is why the church has not received revelation. And don't give me this proclamation of the family is revelation. It is not. It doesn't say, thus saith the Lord, revelation has no semblance of a revelation. It is, maybe it's inspired, but it was brought about by a committee of lawyers who pretend to be prophets, seers, and revelators, who are Babylonian businessmen who have hijacked my Savior's church. And when Joseph Smith received word from Jesus Christ that he, Jesus, would send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, it did not mean that the church would be set back in order. The house of God is not the church. The house of God is the kingdom and all they who fall under its purview. And the church has removed itself and gone into the wilderness, to the darkness, because of their disobedience and their sloth and doing what God, what Jesus Christ told them to do. And he said, if you don't do these things, you'll be rejected as a church with your debt. It's in Doctrine and Covenants section 124. It's key to understanding your awful situation. Back to verse 61. Thus my kingdom have suffered a falling away and been turned over to a gaggle of extortionists who are totally overcome by evil, yea, even worse than the den of thieves whom I confronted in Judea. Babylonian businessmen have, who have hijacked my church. And another revelation uh, the father gave me, he, he says it in a different way, and I always go back to Babylonian businessmen because it just rings true in my mind, but the way he puts it, it's pretty much the same way. These wolves, Babylonian businessmen, wolves of Babylon, in sheep's clothing, wool, woolen suits, Babylonian businessmen's uniforms, the business suit, who speak smooth things to you. I do not tell you to repent. Do not tell you to obey God's laws, especially those laws that are part of Zion's redemption. For one, I'll give you two. It is not given for man to own that which is above another, wherefore the whole world lieth in sin. If you will be a Zion people, you must be equal in all things. They hoard the tithes of my people and they 
put the tithes of my people into their stock funds and their indexes and in their business ventures, Joseph Smith taught that it is not given for, for uh, that, I can't remember how I put it. We should not lay up another dollar to the building up of the devil's kingdom. Like this is against the will of God. Yet they take your sacred tithing funds and they put them in these Babylonian businesses, the Johnson and Johnsons and all of the the uh, <laughs> the witchcraft. I'll just say it the, the way it says in the King James Bible. It calls it what they in the King James version of the Bible, anywhere where it talks about pharmakia, that's Greek. It calls it witchcraft. These funds, these sacred tithe funds that are going in from the tithes into these Babylonian businesses to build up the devil's kingdom is exactly what Joseph Smith was warning against. He said that that not one dollar should be laid up to building up the devil's kingdom. It's out of God's will. This thing that they're doing, this usurping of the kingdom, these Babylonian businessmen who have hijacked my church, and then they turn around in their their billion-dollar buildings and speak smooth things to you, but they never tell you to repent and turn back to the first works of the restoration. They say, oh, we don't need to worry about that anymore. Why is it that we have 16 million members of the church and not one united order? How is it that the top 15 leaders of this church could be making six-figure incomes, which is just the stipends from the church, not to mention all of the book deals and all of the the businesses that the church owns that they are put on the boards of that pay them uh, money. These men are uh, millionaires. To say the least, they're millionaires. I like Uchtdorf, but has a home in Davis County, one in Salt Lake County, and one in Heber County. And they're not little homes either. The home that Russell M. Nelson sold when he moved into protective custody for the because every president of the church there's a condo that they live in they are protected by the security of the church who are the black arms who control them they're their handlers because it goes deep this goes really deep he sold his home in davis county when he became president of the church, this this home is so beautiful. Exceedingly wealthy. It is not given for one man to own that which is above another, wherefore the whole world lieth in sin. If you will be a Zion people, you must be equal in all things. Where are your united orders? That's just one part of turning back to the restoration. That's just one part of turning back to what God has told us to do. And we know, Genesis chapter 9 of the Joseph Smith translation, when a people live all that I have commanded, then Zion will be established. 
Yet on this and other key topics, key portions of the restoration, the meat of the gospel, they say, oh, we don't have to worry about that right now. That's for later. That's what the Judas goats do. Even the Judas goats who are rising up, who don't have a huge following, they will rise up and they will teach you so much truth, like Satan in the Garden of Eden. Satan didn't lie a whole lot. There was things that he missed. Or he twisted it around and whatever, but there was a lot of truth in what he said. But it led them astray just enough so they would be led astray, right? What Judas goats do? A Judas goat is a goat who is raised up with the sheep who is a little bit older than the lambs. And, he's right, and they, they, they put their trust in this goat. And they follow this goat around. And you know how goats are. If you know how goats are, you know how goats are, right? They're ridiculous. I love them, but they're pain, they're pain in the butt. Anyway, the, the goat will be trained to go up the chute into the slaughterhouse. And the sheep herder, when the goat goes up the chute, and all of the goat buddies that trust the goat, they follow him like sheep to the slaughter. And the sheep herder will pull that goat up and then the sheep go into the slaughterhouse. They're Judas goats. And many of them will be very charismatic. If Satan could possess a man today, he would be a very intelligent man. He would be a very religious man. He would know the scriptures forward and backwards. But if you watch closely, you'll notice that there is something off about the, these individuals. They will have control, will exercise control and dominion. And they can't even hide it. But for some, re, for some reason, people who see them, they, they just see this you know, charismatic guy and he's teaching them so much truth. But in key points of doctrine, he is leading them astray. <laughs> and they want that knowledge that he has so badly that they can't see the devil that is staring them in the face. These men who do these things, and there's some women too, but these men who do these things, they don't have a proper life in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's something to their care that you just can't put your, your finger on, but you know there's something not exactly right, but you love to hear what they say, so you continue to follow them and you give those thoughts of, I, I don't even know what to do with this guy, you, you give them away so that you don't, uh, what do you put it? How do you put it? You don't listen to your own conscience when you t when it's telling you something is off about the person. And if the spirit warns you and you continue to ignore it, the spirit will stop trying and will leave you to your own strong delusions that you be damned because you didn't love the truth enough to heed the warnings that God was giving you to begin with. 
continuing on. And even in the holy temples of my kingdom doth the man of sin said proudly in his blasphemy as he received the praise and adulteration of the Latter-day Saints adulation, sorry, of the Latter-day Saints who laud him in his leadership as infallible. And that is that is specifically a president of the church. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, when it talks of the man of sin sitting in the temple of God, where are the legitimate temples of God today? They're among those who are the elect of God, who profess to be the elect of God. And the man of sin, the son of perdition, sits in the temple of God, reigning over all that is called of God. There is one man on the earth that fits that profile, or one office. I don't know who the man is, but there's one office, and that man will hold that office. It's going to be in a temple in Jerusalem, because there is a new Jerusalem. That's where the Holy of Holies is. And it ain't, in, it ain't in Judea, or as they call it, Israel, which is wrong. Oh, the blindness and foolishness of the Latter-day Saints who proudly celebrate their iniquities and suffer themselves to be taken for a spoil by those whom they worship as idols. See, this is idol worship. The Latter-day Saints are very guilty of it. Instead of following God, they follow a man who professes to lead them to God. That is idol worship. You have one file leader, and I'm not your file leader. The Father and the Son, who stand as one, they're your file leader. And notwithstanding, they worship God in my name, the Father in my name, and present themselves as my church and my kingdom. They do not know, are they and they know not who or what they worship. And Satan hath usurped them to the extent that the object of their faith and the devotion is to continue offering an unacceptable offering like unto that of Cain of old. Now what did Cain do? Cain was told how to give an offering, but he wanted to do it his way. We were told I, I'll just harp on this. We were told to have united orders in the law of consecration, but we want to do it our way. This is the principle of Cain, and it is the principle that the Latter-day Saints in their rejected state have decided to follow. They're going to do it their way. Oh, we don't have to worry about any of that other stuff that Joseph Smith brought up. We don't have to worry about gathering to one place. We don't have to worry about the law of consecration of the United Order. We don't have to worry about plural celestial marriage or the law of adoption or any number of other things that was part of the restoration, which is part of the restoration. And yes, plural celestial marriage is part of the restoration. There is a reason for it, which your carnal mind cannot know. And because of your carnal mind, you think that Jacob chapter 2 is saying something it's not saying. The man and the woman sealed together by the Holy Spirit of promise is as important for exaltation as 
Jesus Christ paying for your sins in the Garden of Gethsemane. For without the Garden of Gethsemane, you could not get to the point where you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which involves a man and a woman being sealed together and being sealed up unto the priesthood chain that leads to God. For the cycle of eternity to repeat as the tares choke the wheat by unjustly cutting off their breath of life during the season of tribulation. Howbeit Seth hath come in the flesh, bringing forth the healing remedy of his fallen parents, for they shall rise up and regain their kingdom in victory. Verily I, I say, Verily I say that I brought many of the lineage of the, of the planet and planted them in the new world of America, even as I did in the Garden of Eden of old. And we're on verse 70. We've got five verses left, and then we'll be done with uh, the readings for tonight. And I established the priesthood and the church with the fullness of my gospel and kingdom like unto the old world of Mesopotamia six millennia ago. And it sounds like we've got 90 seconds left on the live streaming portion of the radio program. If you do have a question or a comment, please give us a call right now. If you wait too long, you won't be able to. And if you're listening and you're listening on the live stream, well, you can listen to this in the podcast later because the live stream is about to be cut off. We have 60 seconds left in the live streaming portion of the radio program. The ship is sinking. Just kidding. If you want to jump on the lifeboat, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. And I promise I won't bring you live on the air unless you push one. So if you are listening and you want to listen to the rest of this, you can either do that later in the podcast or you can do it now by calling in and just listening on your phone. 71. Yea, the fullness of enlightenment of human civilization for, both, for mankind hath been granted again in day six of this creation in order for man to lay the foundation of the new world in America. Because this is where Zion will be born, in the desert places as Isaiah saw. For the millennium of millennium of day six is when the great prince Michael standeth up as a man who is Adam and Eve and represented the kingdom of God of the Father here upon this earth. And remember, Adam is Michael and Eve is Ashura. They have tarnished her name and made her into a pagan god. But her name, the name of God, our mother, who is Eve, for this planet, is Ashura. Satan has done everything he can to try to make her into a whore and to try to destroy her name. And that's why Heavenly Father, our father, Adam, who is Michael, protects her name so much because Satan has dragged her name through the mud. But she is Ashura, and that is the name of our mother in heaven. For the millennium of day six is when the great Prince Michael standeth up as a man 
who is Adam and Eve, two individuals, but, you know, they're one in, in, you know, as you're married, you're one, whatever, and receiveth the kingdom of the Father here upon the earth. Talking about the Father who is Yehovah, our Elohim. And behold, this new order is patterned after the old world, for the dragon serpent again maketh war with my saints and overcome them for a season thereby. And lo, even the man, child, Jehovah, Abel, born of Michael, Adam, and his bride, Eve, hath been crucified afresh and put to an open shame because you knew him not. And the majority of the, oh, I guess there's way, oh, I guess there's more than 75. I don't know why I thought there was only 75. <clears throat> Excuse me. And like if you go into a Christian congregation, they always throw Michael under, or Adam under the bus. Oh, it could have been a paradise. Oh, this and that. Like, oh, it drives me nuts. I'm not even going to get into it right now because I actually do have to go. Let me see. One, um, let me get to 75 and let me just see how many more verses we have. And lo, even the man-child, oh wait, no, I already read that part. Verse 75, and verily I say, the new world of America shall become fallen and desolate unless her inhabitants waken to their transgressions and forsake them speedily. And it's not going to happen. They're not, they have the chance, but they're not going to. All right, so let me just check. Oh, oh, yeah, this is way more. I, for some reason, I thought there was only 75 verses. Oh, this is long. I'm just going to have to be done with this part for today. Maybe I'll get back in it tomorrow. Let's see here. I just don't have time. i got to go to work. I I have to go pick up Lysol from the store because apparently the Lysol that uh, the person who drives the truck in the daytime, like when I, I used it lightly the other day and I left everything down because I'm sick. I don't want to get her sick. And she's freaking out about COVID and whatever. She just had COVID. Like, hey, lady, you know, there's antibodies. You know how the, the, the immune system works? But anyway, um, so this morning I spent an hour cleaning the – and I cleaned it good. But apparently – and it was kind of cold because I turned the truck off, and I'm like – and I like the cold. So, like, if it's 45 degrees, I'm like just – like, I have a light jacket on now, and this is all I'll wear all night, even though I'm sick. But anyway, so um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm in the dark, and I've got my headlamp on, and I got the doors open, and I'm spraying the Lysol around, and I'm, like, wiping off all the stuff and doing all the stuff to make sure the truck is nice and clean for it. And I'm like, maybe I'm overdoing it, but... This uh, woman that I drive with, she drives in the daytime. She's like 63, I think. And she's, you know, older lady. She's been driving for 30 years, 30-something years. You know, and she's, I like her, but she's a pain in the butt. She just is. And uh, so I'm wiping everything down, and she said that there was a white film all over everything today. 
which is weird because I wiped down the truck the other day. I didn't go crazy on it like I did. But anyway, I I wiped everything like really good because I don't want her to get sick. And I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't have to go tonight to work tonight because like she's complaining so much. But she complains every t- every time my truck breaks down. She refuses, or she she just complains. You know, I'm sorry that my truck broke down, but I still have to make a living if I can. And even when I'm not sick, she complains. And now I'm sick, and she's like, oh, I can't get sick because I really need this money. And part of the problem is my boss, he shortchanges us. Like, just for instance, I I know I'm going off on the tangents and I need to get going, but just for instance, my old boss used to pay what the other companies pay for the Lila run, and Lila's on fire right now, so we can't go up there anymore for a while. That's the mine that I used to, that I am, that I normally pull out of. It's been on fire for a little while. While, and it's out despite what Nate Carlisle, that lion sack of donkey dung. I don't like that man. There's reasons for that, but he's a he's an uh, an editor or a uh, editor in chief or like whatever he does for the news people, whatever. Anyway, so um, I got paid forty four dollars to go from Lila to the spur in price with a load, right? That was my old job. His uncle has a company too, and he pays his driver $45 to go from Viola to the Spur. Now, I did not know this until I started asking around, but my boss, he told me, well, I just, uh, Savage pays $23 an hour according to the round time of the trucks and whatever and Savage drives slow. So I'm like, okay, so I could beat the round times. 23 bucks an hour, eh, it's not great, but Savage has a bunch of benefits too and I don't have any benefits. And there's a reason why I'm working for this guy and not somebody else right now, but that's probably going to change quickly. <laughs> but anyway, so this guy pays $35 a load. Now he talks too much. This guy talks too much. And he was complaining that if they overloaded me at Lila by a ton each time, only one ton, that he would lose $7 a load. So he wanted me to get on the scales every time I went to to Savage to make sure that what they said that they loaded with was what I was being loaded with because $7 times 7 is $49 and I get 7 loads a day sometimes 8 sometimes 6 but we'll say 7 right $7 a load 7 times a day is $49 a day that he's not getting paid based on one ton $49 a day times 
five or six days a week, it turns out to be a lot of money over time. So he's complaining about this, but he gave me more information than he realized because my boss, he's not as smart as he thinks he is. And I will hear these things and I won't say anything, but I know exactly what he is not meaning to tell me. I know exactly what he's saying, right? I haul 43 to 44 tons legally from the mine to Lila. 44 tons at $7 a ton times seven. Do you have any idea how much money that is? And this, this is kind of why I'm irritated that this guy won't pay us more. Like, just match what the other people are paying, right? So 44 times seven, that is $308 for one load. Times seven is $2,156 a day that he is making just on the short hauls. And he gives me one less than a tenth of that for my pay. Less than a tenth of that. That's why I want my own truck. Like I was a diesel mechanic back in the 90s. I have worked on his truck for free because he, he'll be gone somewhere. And that, like I can't drive it unless it's fixed and he's not around. So I just fix it, you know, alternator, whatever, tires, whatever it is. Whatever I can do. You know, $2,100 a day. And we'll say 10, just an average, $21,560 for half a month. $43,120 for a whole month. And I get paid around $5,000 working 70, 65 to 70 hours a week usually. Now, I used to get a lot more at the other company that I worked for, but they found out about this program and they wanted to start harassing me about things. And I just, and, and threatening to take money out of my pay for cleaning the truck out, even though I was the only one that was doing that. My co-driver would not clean the truck out, and instead of cleaning it out at the end of my shift, it was so filthy that I was going to, I cleaned it out at the beginning of my shift, and I told my boss, I'm only cleaning this truck out once a day. If he gives it to me dirty, I'm not cleaning it for him. I'm cleaning it for me. And because I left the truck dirty, he was threatening to, to uh, take money out of my pay or whatever, and like, it was just... There was a lot of stupid nitpicky things, right? And it just become untenable to to do the job because it was all the time, and it got it was getting pretty bad. Like the the head mechanic was screaming, uh, uh, cussing at me, uh, just screaming because because 
the other driver drove the night before, and he had to drive, or not the night before, the day before, and it sat at night, and then the head mechanic took it down to the shop in uh, Salina, Utah. And the truck was as filthy as it is every time that other guy drives the truck because he drives around with the fan on full blast, at high RPMs, in the dirt. It blows dirt all over the place, and he's got the windows down, and it just makes the truck filthy. And he never cleans it out. I cleaned it out the day before. That guy drives it, and then the head mechanic takes it down to the shop, and then he is screaming and cussing at me threatening me over the phone because I left the truck dirty for him. Like what kind of sense does that even make? I wasn't even the last person to drive the truck and they all see me and they complain. I'm sorry. The religious stuff is over with. I'm, I'm going off on my ta- uh, tangents and my chats now. I'm sorry if you, if you don't want to hear, we'll be back on Wednesday with another uh, doctrinal discussion about, uh, what we're talking about, but <clears throat> excuse me. But um, I'm so angry about all of this because it, it's directly affecting my life. And see, this is what it's like to be in the spin cycle of Babylonian, uh, you know, Satan's kingdom. Like, I have no control over these things. I just have to try to roll with the punches, and Satan knows that he can get me to stop doing what he, what God wants me to do if he can just punch me all the time. And God, he wants people to support this stuff, but nobody does it. And so I have to do the best I can do being punched by Satan, and I have nobody to protect me. And because God allows free agency, Satan's imps can whisper into the minds of the head mechanic and and these other people to do these things to make my life difficult so that I will stop doing what God has asked me to do, which is to teach the people and bear bold witness of the Father and the Son and share my witness as the witness of the Father and the Son, which does not make me popular among men. And when they find out these things, they freak out. And honestly, I don't know what to do about it. And it's irritating because I don't have the support that I need from the people to do what God has asked me to do. And because people have free agency to do the things that they do, Satan will influence men and women who have free agency to come after me and make my life difficult and hard. And and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot to have to deal with. And I, I, I do not believe that that I'm going to get any help until Babylon the Great falls. And then people will be like, oh, yeah, Mark's 
something about gathering in the highways at the top of the mountains. Oh, yeah, he said something about gathering to Emory County. Oh, yeah, he said something about going south into the wilderness where God showed him to go. And, like, people uh, at that point, they'd be like, oh, well, maybe he isn't who he says he is, but we're going to go find out where he's at because we're going to take it over, and that's going to happen too. But this revelation was received quite a while ago, and I hate it because I, I don't want – I'm, like, so against priestcraft that Joseph Smith was supported when he was doing the work that he needed to do. And priestcraft are these individuals who are not called of God who try to make a living off the backs of the poor. And that's not what I'm trying to do either. But thus at the Lord, from this time forward ye shall receive or ye shall receive commandment and in, or instructions from none other than he whom I have appointed unto this power, even my servant who is my second witness, in whom I am well pleased. I am the second witness. I don't share this revelation very often, but it's just getting to the point where I feel like, you know, I really need to start asking for help from people. And I actually feel like this is going on deaf ears, but I'm still going to throw it out there and I'm going to keep asking because I need help. I say unto you, my words are mighty to the salvation of them that believe, for I shall prove unto them in this day, saith the Lord, that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that I bestow upon whom I will authorities and powers to act, for can the church be built upon or up unto me except by my power, saith the Lord. For I will make him mighty in word and deed to the confounding of false doctrines and the precepts of men. From this day forward, all authorities and ordinations other than by my servant are hereby null and void, voided that they, that from henceforth all ordinations, instructions, and commandments must be from under his hand and by his words, saith the Lord." that ye may know of the gateway that ye must enter to receive eternal life, saith the Lord, for all others are of the devil or of man. And this <clears throat> this revelation goes along with uh, July 15th, 2013, when the power of all the holy people was severed according to Daniel chapter 12 and according to what God told me to do in July of 2013. For I say unto you that all who reject these things will be unable to receive the salvation spoken of and shall thereby be cut off, saith the Lord. So remember the man likened to Moses that Moroni said would come who is Christ, but did not yet come when he would be rejected by his people. It's not talking about Messiah ben Judah. It's talking about Messiah, the Shiach, and Yosef that anointed one from the tribe of Yosef, who Moroni called the, the man of Acts chapter 3, 22 and 23, who is the man like unto Moses, who if you will not hear 
all they who will not hear the voice of that prophet will be cut off from among the people. I am that man. I am the witness of the Father. I am Mashiach ben Yosef. I am the Davidic servant. I am the man like unto Moses. And as Scripture says, if you will not hear the words of this prophet, you will be cut off from among the people. 99.9% of the saints aren't going to make it because they will not hear the words that I have been given by the Father to give to them or the witness, and they will say, well, you sound like you sound like you know kind of what you're talking about, and you're pretty interesting, and it's kind of like watching a wreck, like driving past a car accident. You know, everybody turns their head, and everybody sees what's happening, but but you don't actually listen to anything that I say other than to mock and deride me. That boss that I have, that I had, the one who harassed me, mocked me. He had no idea the power that God has given me over him. I do not have to go onto his property or even speak to him to have an influence over him. Every time I go past his yard, up until last night, Heavenly Father told me, okay, enough. Every time I go past his property, I curse the property in the name of Messiah. The office that I hold of Messiah ben Yosef makes me a Messiah. And people don't even understand what that word means. I'm an anointed, it's personally, physically anointed by the Father himself from the tribe of Yosef. I'm not the Redeemer. I'm not your salvation in a spiritual sense. The, the salvation I provide is the salvation of calling forth people out of Babylon the Great. As Babylon the Great falls, those who hear the words of my voice will be saved from the destruction thereof. But I hold the office of the second apostle the Father, there are two, it's by the mouth of two or three witnesses that every word is established. Jesus Christ is the first witness or apostle of the Father. I am the second. And when I drive past my old boss's company, I curse him every time up until last night. All right, actually, it was this morning when I was, I was like, I'm going I'm to curse him again. Because I have the authority and the ability to do that. He sold four of his trucks. He sold equipment. And both of his houses are up for sale now. He's kicked out of the coal hauling industry. He even went back to Savage to try to get him to let, let him haul coal again. He's out. His drivers have to drive all the way from Emory County, Utah, up to Utah and Salt Lake counties just to haul rock for Geneva because they don't have any work down here. See, when you curse me, the second son of the father, 
the curse of God comes upon you. When I when God told me to sever the ordinances of all the holy people by the authority he gave me, I I, I was I was stunned a little bit because I'd never I didn't realize that was in scripture or one. I didn't realize it was in Daniel chapter twelve till like a month later. I said, why do you want me to do this? He said, because if they will not accept you as my witness, I will not accept them, and neither will Jesus. Because the Father sends his second witness, the witness, to testify of the first witness, the Savior, so the Savior can bring you back into the presence of the Father. This is a trio. This is a team. And you cannot reject one and be accepted by the others. You cannot treat Jesus as a thing of naught and be accepted by the Father or the witness. You cannot reject the Father and accept Jesus Christ and be accepted by the witness or the Father. And for Latter-day Saints who know the Father and the Son, you cannot accept or cannot reject the witness who is speaking to you right now and accept to be accepted by the Father and the Son. When the severed, when the ordinances were severed, it was a hard reset to set the house of God in order, brought back down to the authority of one individual on the earth that you have to come to, and Moroni said, that the man of Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 22 and 23, the man likened to Moses, if you will not hear the voice of that prophet, you will be rejected by the people. And it is now that that prophecy is being fulfilled. What's wrong, Arius? Your leg hurts. Olivia! Come here. I can't fix it right now, but Emmett can help you, okay? So uh, let me just, and this is just a, a small snippet. I don't really have time to be getting into this revelation a lot, but for this day, from this day forward, all authorities and ordinations other than by my servant are hereby null and voided that from henceforth all ordinations and instructions and commandments must be under his hands and by his word, saith the Lord, that ye may know of the gateway that ye must enter to receive eternal life, saith the Lord, for all others are of the devil or of man. For I say unto you that all who reject these things will be unable to receive the salvation spoken of and shall there might be cut off. So you have to be rebaptized. You have to have your reordinations done. The whole, the whole thing has to be redone. For my word is quick and powerful as a two-edged sword to the cutting asunder of both joints and marrow, and also to, is mighty to save them that believe. I speak these words that ye may know of me and my works, for I am Jesus Christ, and I bestowed upon him the apostleship and confer upon him all keys, both in heaven and in earth, 
that whatsoever he bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever he shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. For I am his God, and will do according to his words. Wherefore give he that ye transgress not, but his judgment is right, saith the Lord. And if ye do according to my words, ye shall be saved and inherit eternal life. And if ye believe in a manner that ye can overcome the world. For all things powers are given unto him, that if in that day he should call fire out of heaven, it shall be done. And if he should smite the earth with famine, that it should be done according to his words. Therefore, fear and tremble, O ye devil, for ye are bound by him, that my people shall be made free. For ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, saith the Lord. For I, or for will I that ye should be in the valley of death any longer. Ye sh- they shall form in, uh, foam and gnash their teeth, but their day is over, saith the Lord. Therefore this commandment I give you, that ye shall provide for him, that he shall do my work. And if ye do not these things, saith the Lord, I will reserve a pure people unto me who shall receive him. And they shall be revealed the mysteries of the kingdom and my life, which is eternal, saith the Lord, that they may that they may partake freely thereof, even the waters thereof. See, in Isaiah chapter 49, it talks about the Davidic servant, and he is lamenting because his people won't hear him. God gives him a new people because they will not hear him. It's the same here. It's echoing the same thing here. All who come unto my servant shall be blessed, and all of those who receive him shall not be damned and burned, saith the Lord. For he, even he, hath the right to the keys of the priesthood, saith the Lord. For it is his by lineage and by right, and his lineage, saith the Lord, hath been hidden from, before, from, the, from the world and also from the church, that it might be made manifest even at time, saith the Lord, that they might be proven in all things that they too may be co-heirs with mine only begotten, saith the Father. And I will that all rich and poor come unto me through my servants and drink from the well of living water spoken of. And he that receiveth my servants receiveth me, saith the Lord God of Israel. Remember, all power Confirms priesthoods or offices are hereby done away in me, and one even one remaineth. That ye must receive your salvation and ordinances and conferrals from him who is appointed in any council, or the effects thereof are hereby annulled, saith the Lord, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God, and sweareth with an oath, and will not repent, saith the Lord that ye shall not enter into my rest, except it be through my servant, whom I have appointed. And when I, the Lord, did speak unto my servant, Joseph Smith, that it should be that no one should be uh, appointed to receive revelations and commandments, excepting my servant, Joseph, 
I, the Lord, did provide that he should abide in me, and that as long as he should abide in me, saith the Lord, that it was that he should be the one empowered to speak in my name as moved upon by the, by the Holy Ghost. And my servant, saith the Lord, did abide in me even unto the end. And how much greater, saith the Lord, is my servant in mine eyes than those who you sustain to be your presidencies. The powers of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven and may not be controlled nor handled except upon the principles of righteousness, saith the Lord God. And if it should be that the presidencies of my church should fall into transgression, then they also shall not have the power to speak my name or the welfare and benefit of my saints or the members which compromise my church, saith the Lord. For is it not that I, the Lord, your God, even Jesus of Nazareth, did say while in my power among the Jews, that if thine eye which seeth for thee, him that is appointed to watch over thee, to show thee light, and become a transgressor and offend thee, and pluck him out? It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye, than having two eyes to be cast into hell. And he's talking about he, he who sees for you, the seer of the church, the president of the church. It's better to, to, to excommunicate him, to, to pluck him out and throw him aside. Now, it's interesting because in the beginning of the restoration, the bishop of the church had the authority, the bishop or the patriarch, had the authority to excommunicate the president of the church. The transgression. Now these Babylonian businessmen who have taken over the church, they have, you know, they've weaseled their way in and they've slithered their way in and they've gotten rid of of any uh, threat that, so they can do whatever they want now. Of course, they need you to believe them, so they are not going to show you their things. But trust me, they have them. Is it better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire? Did I not speak unto my servant Joseph concerning the manuscript of the book which he had been called upon to translate, that although a man may have many revelations and power to do many mighty works, yet if he boasts in his own strength and sets it not to the counsels of God, and follows after the dictates of his own will and carnal desires, he must fall and incur the vengeance of a just God upon him. And how much greater, saith the Lord, was my servant Joseph, than whom ye, ye perverse and stiff-necked generation, sustain as your presidents. For even Lucifer, was he not given authority from before, from before the world, or before the world was made? And did I, the Father, not cause him to be cast out, even though he be my son? And if I, the Father of heaven and earth, spared not them who were deceived from before the foundation of the world, do not imagine in your hearts, O vain man, that I will spare thee, even if it should be that all perish. <laughs> I think I'm going to stay home tonight because I'm just like 
burning up here. Like fever. I'm going to go to the hospital tomorrow. Yea, even though it should be easier that a hand be cut off, yet it be better to retain heaven with one hand than to be cast out with two, saith the Lord. And this hath been a law through all time and throughout all eternity among them who are gods and the sons of God, even Elohim. So you guys don't even understand what Elohim means. It, uh, it's not the name of one individual person. Jehovah is called our Elohim. He is our mighty one for this earth. There are many who are called Elohim. Like, do a word study. Not, not in your LDS gospel library apps. Go read what it actually means. Go read some commentaries and get some knowledge besides those people who want you to believe that Elohim is the name of the Father. No, it is not. Yehovah, our Elohim, in the King James Version, is the Lord your God. It's all over the place, but you don't see it because you're blind. Because the translators don't want you to see it. Because Satan doesn't want you to see it. Are ye, ye stiff-necked and perverse generation, different than they in your iniquity? For all of my servants, the prophets, have been first cast out of your churches and synagogues over Israel, and then stoned and crucified and persecuted when it was that they dared, when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, to speak against them, whom ye lift up as your presidencies. This is not just about the Latter-day Restoration. Anytime there's been a wicked and corrupt church on the earth, by Jesus, he went, he wasn't the leader of the church. What's his name? It wasn't Herod the Great. It was the high priest. Herod the Great. No, it wasn't Herod the Great. What was his name? I can't remember what his name is. Caiaphas. Caiaphas. He was the leader of the church. He was the one that put Jesus to death. I mean, Pilate did it, but it wouldn't have if it, Pilate wouldn't have done it unless Caiaphas was pushing it on him, right? When Jeremiah went to the church, he wasn't the leader of the church, but he was the prophet. When Samuel the Lamanite, who was a prophet, went among the people and spoke from the wall. He was actually yelling at Nephi, who was the president of the church. But guess who the prophet was that was sent to tell them to repent? It was Samuel the Lamanite. When Isaiah, the prophet, was sent to the leaders of the church, they had him sawn in two. For all of my servants, the prophets, have been first cast out of your churches and synagogues, O Israel, and then stoned and crucified and persecuted when it was that they dared when moved upon by the Holy Ghost to speak against them, whom ye lift up as your presidencies, who had gone contrary to the covenants which I, the Lord God, did make with their fathers, even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it was that Paul was smitten by 
them when speaking concerning their high priest, as well as mine only begotten in the flesh, saith the Father, was he not smitten across the mouth by the guard for impertinence? And so it is with you, O ye ignorant, haughty, and stiff-necked generation, concerning him who was reserved from before the foundation of the world, that he should come unto thee, O Ephraim, to save and redeem thee by the power which hath not been seen since the days of my son Enoch, who shall return with ten thousands of the saints in this day, saith the Lord God. Because now all this is coming. It's all coming. For it is that my servant, who is the second witness, even the evening star that stands before the Lord of the whole earth, is he not one mighty and strong to the to thy salvation, O Ephraim, from the chains of the bondsman which doth afflict thee day and night? And is not thy slavery, O Ephraim, worse than that of Pharaoh? But you don't even know what kind of slavery you're in. You have no idea. Because it's so subtle that you don't even see it. Some of you do. Not very many of you. For it is that the elements shall move hither and thither at his command in that day when it is that I, the Lord God of Jacob, shall speak from his mouth with thunder in that day, saith the Lord God. But ye must come unto me, even thy God, O Israel. And it is that in this day I, the Lord God will extend my arm for thy deliverance from Babylon, O Ephraim, as prophesied by my servants. He's talking about Joseph Smith, one of the greatest of my servants to walk the earth. And as I said concerning thy high priest, were not my servants, Peter, James, and John, were they not put into prison for preaching against the high priest Ephraim are ye better than the Jews my chosen for were they not the sons of Abraham like unto thee O Ephraim and was not he and was not he who was reserved also smitten like unto them by old by by old by the wicked um, of his day to disregard these things as anciently O Ephraim and this thing was for preaching sedition concerning thy high priest, O Ephraim, who is like unto Caiaphas. He's speaking of the presidents of your church, who sitteth in the temple of God, as written by my servant Paul in the second chapter of the book of the letter to the Thessalonians. In that day saith the Lord, or saith the Lord God. And was it not that this should come to pass before the day of mine advent, as prophesied by my servant, that it should come in this generation that now standeth upon the earth? For is not the son of perdition that sitteth revealed by these words of mine, saith the Lord? For in thou, in thou, in for thou in thy wickedness, O Ephraim, have exceeded anything concerning that which I, the Lord God, have spoken concerning any other people. 
For it is that this idolatry that ye shall be smitten from generation to generation, and if ye repent not and come unto me through him who was appointed unto thee, even for the purpose was he sent, as was Jesus unto the Jews. For are ye different than they, O Ephraim? For ye imagine up in thy heart that if ye had lived in the days of the prophets and apostles that were with me in my power in that day, that ye would not have partaken with that generation of the innocent blood. And ye have not lifted and have ye not lifted up your hands against him who was, who was sent as mine only begotten, reserved for thy salvation from before the foundation of the world, O Ephraim? And it is not, mine adversary, is not my adversary the prince of this world? For mine adversary, saith the Lord, did buy up armies and navies, Pharisees, Sadducees, high priests, presidents of priesthood, all that they may with blood and horror on this earth. Now, how is it that ye are different than they, O ye stiff-necked and perverse generation, who have also been deceived? For it hath been a requirement of mine anointed in all ages of the world to descend below all things. And how are these things possible? if it is that he does not dissemble of the generation in which he lives. And I've already descended low enough. If you know me, you know my story. For woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, and blessed are you when all men shall revile against you falsely for my name's sake. For so did their fathers unto the prophets which were sent, even unto them are we from. And did not I, the Lord God, say through the mouth of my servant, Woe unto them who is at ease in Zion? Yea, woe unto him who saith, All is well in Zion. Yea, all is well in Zion. Zion prospereth. And and are not these thy words at this time, saith the Lord God of battles and burnings? Yea, what meanest, O man? Was not my servant Nephi a prophet also when I, the Lord God, did move upon him by the power of my spirit, which is as a consuming fire, which did cause even his mighty frame that it should quake from the power thereof? For he, even he, did not or did he not prophesy of thee also, O Ephraim? Or ye who call themselves Latter-day Saints, even at this time. For it is that I, the Lord God, have known the end from the beginning, even before the foundation of the world have I known me. Therefore repent. Repent, lest unhappily ye find yourself in that torment which shall consume me as a consuming fire. O ye rebellious children who are full of iniquity. For is or for hath it not been written that by the weak and the simple and the despised things of the earth that I the Lord God would thrash the nations by the power of my spirit? And are ye not a nation unto me, O Ephraim, that ye should come out of her even Babylon and take thy place among the nations as the queen that thou art, O Ephraim, Ephraim, my beloved from before the foundation of the world? For thou 
even thou art my beloved, saith the Lord God of Israel. For was it not that Enoch was slow of speech, even that the people did hate him? And did not my service, or my servant Moses stutter, and this because of his meekness before the people? And was not my servant David but a boy when he did slay Goliath? And was not my own begotten considered to be the least in the kingdom of heaven by them who thrust him out and would not feed him, but he wandered alone in the desert without friend among men, being tormented because of the, the exquisite truth and power which was his to wield for the salvation of mankind, and they did crucify him, O man. And thus the warfare which began before the foundation of the world Hath it not been continued here, O man, against the holy priesthood of the Son of God, and hath and shall not be ended until one or the other is bound and driven from off the earth? Them who do serve me, saith the Lord, shall receive eternal life with the Father and the sons and daughters of God. And them who hate me, saith the Lord, shall receive eternal death and shall dwell with the devil and his sons for all eternity, if it should be that they will not repent and be obedient unto mine ordinances, saith the Lord. And their worm dieth not, and their torment is as a lake of fire and brimstone. And the end thereof no man knoweth, save he shall be made partaker thereof. And this key, saith the Lord, I give unto thee, O man, that you may be able to discern any influence, whether it be from that evil one or from my spirit, saith the Lord. For that which causeth your soul to expand and to believe in the sons of God, you may know with a perfect knowledge that is sent by the power of God for the salvation of the sons and daughters of men. And on the contrawise, that which doth cause pain and distress of soul and despair that which causeth you, O man, to turn away from the God that made you is not of me, saith the Lord, but is of that evil one. For he desireth destruction of man, and if ye ensnared if ye are ensnared by him, ye must perish, saith the Lord. And this despair and lack of hope cometh because of iniquity and unbelief, and doth produce death both spiritually and physically, saith the Lord. Wherefore, if the words of a man edify and give hope and the light and life, then ye may know that it is of God. But if a man's words cause despair and take away hope and faith in God, then ye may know that it is not of me, saith the Lord. So that's, uh, that's not the end of that revelation, but that's in the end of that section of the revelation, which I did not expect to get into tonight. And I don't even know if anybody's even hearing me because nobody ever calls in. doesn't matter how much I complain about it. Oh, I might come on. Oh, they say, oh, I want to hear. I want to hear. You let me know when you're doing it. I want to hear it. Like, Okay, I can see what the stats are. I see what happens later on when I do the lives. She was being rude again? 
Club Life is your friend. Amberly, you being rude too? Eliza was being rude? Eliza has a phone? No. So Eliza thinks you have a phone? Okay, I'm still doing my radio show, so. You colored on my phone? On a wood by the garage? Oh, you made the wood that you colored on into a phone? My seven-year-old has special abilities, everybody. Anyway, um, my, uh, I only have eight minutes left in the program, so we're going to wrap it up for tonight. And uh, I guess I'm going to stay home tonight because I don't want Janice to be all upset because if I have COVID, it's so stupid. Like, hey, antibodies. Like, Janice just had, oh, I shouldn't have said her name. She just had COVID like two months ago. Okay. If I said that, Emmett, I would be lying, and I'm not going to lie. I try to keep I try to keep certain names off the air, but whatever. Nobody knows her last name. I won't say her last name, but and I I'm not. She's not usually my co-driver. Oh, one other thing, my boss, the guy who I work for now, I worked for him before, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm only going to have you driving the truck. Don't worry about it. You'll be the only one driving the truck." And then he says. Uh, that I can park the truck at my house because I'll be the only one driving it. And then, like, I park the truck at my house on a Sunday morning so I can get my kids up. Before I park the truck, I come and I park here. And I go in, I go to the bathroom. I say hi to my wife in the morning, you know, Sunday morning. And I get my kids up, and I'm all like, hey, everybody get ready for church. I'll be back in, like, 45 minutes, and I'm going to take a shower, and then we're going to go. So everybody get ready. Well, somebody drives by the house and they take a picture of of his truck, which he said I could park in my house, in front of my house. And then he calls and he screams at me about how dare I park his truck in front of my house. I, he told me like three or four times I could do that. And then like he catches me doing it and then he screams at me for like, and then he tells me, oh, by the way, I'm going to put another driver in that truck. Because he thought he might have somebody else to fall her fall for his schemes, so his word isn't his bond. And he tells me whatever he thinks I want to hear, but I see him lying straight to my face. I just don't see anything, but it makes me so angry. <laughs> so anyway, this other truck is broke down, so I can I can go drive the truck tonight. But like as I'm sitting here, I'm like burning up, like I'm sweating and like I've got a fever. Mm-hmm. I feel like I might have some other issues that will make it difficult to drive. And I'm just like, you know what? I need the money so bad right now, but I'm gonna go to the doctor tomorrow and make sure I don't have COVID. So anyway, I am going to end the program now. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you for dealing with my rantings and everything. And, you know, please just be prayerful about these things. Like, I don't want to be the one that God called, but he called me anyway. So anyway, we're going to 
Darnell, my three-year-old's crown. So take care, everyone. God bless. Goodbye. Thank you.